You're listening to the Slow Ride podcast. Likes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. The Slow Ride Podcast. And on Twitter, Slow Ride Pod. Enjoy the ride. Hello and welcome to the 269th episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. This is Tim in sunny and beautiful Orlando, Florida. Oh, this is Matt, super sleepy and tired in what's been a very muddy Minneapolis. And this is Spencer in Boston, where it is crispy and fall-like, and the apples and the orchards and the pumpkins and the whatnots, and the, the spice, mm. it's just coming out of the Starbucks everywhere. Just the the, the spice. Yeah, pumping the pumping well, we, the spice out. It's cross. We, we, it's cross weather uh, here, guys. It's, guys, it just smells like mud. I blew it. You know, I've been here for maybe only five years, but you can tell I'm not a local because I I went I went to Starbucks first and not Dunkin' the Dunks. Ugh. Yeah, I blew it. Can we take? Can we do this over? We'd like to welcome everybody to Weather Talk, and here we are, where everyone likes to have some fun. Guys, lots of good racing. Naturally. The big one is the fifth of six monuments for the cycling season mm-hmm. and an epic performance by the most anonymous man in Grand Tour <laughs> racing, Bauke Molima, oh. with an amazing win. How awesome was it to see oh my God. at Il Lombardia? So I was screaming at the screen. Were you guys screaming at your computers? I mean, I was just waiting for the catch because I was like, how is he going to... Have we, I mean, we just told the world that he's going to finish fourth or fifth in every single race, and then he's, how is he going to do us like this? Oh, it was great not that gonna, he did us like that, though. I was so I was, happy. I was very, <laughs> very happy that he did it. I, but I have to admit, though, that like, I definitely thought Valverde was going to catch him or that Roglic was going to, right? right? I only got nervous when Roglic shot off the front. I really wasn't too worried about Valverde. But when Roglic shot off the front at one point... um. I got nervous, and the and the the time checks were kind of all over the place. Yeah, you know, they, yeah. they were. There was a point where the time check was like forty, and then it suddenly shot up to a minute, and I was like, "No, that can't be true. The time checks must be wrong. Like, there's no way he's pulling a minute out of out of Roglic and all those guys right now." And then suddenly it was twenty, and I just was like losing it, screaming at him to go faster, and he did. He listened. Quite the um, track record of top tens at Grand Tours. We're stoked for. He's also won in 2015 the Japan Cup. Ah. So our favorite monument, which he will be at in two weeks. He just won Lombardia. Um, stoked to see. I I love that race. I love watching Lombardia. It was fun to see on the um, television. I was able to, uh, you know, stream it live. Great, uh, 100% awesome on uh, Flow Sports. And uh, yeah, little guy, you kind of sold me on these Italian classics. Well, good. I'm glad. It only took a lot of like yelling at you. This last week was awesome. I don't know how anyone could not think this was one of the best weeks of cycling. Capped off of Lombardia. And then they throw in a little Perry Tours, like in case you're getting bored. You're like, maybe I don't want to watch road race anymore. And then they're like, oh, here's a cool uh, sprinter race, but we're going to throw in a bunch of great gravel sections and piss off uh, Quick Step Boss about it. 
It's great. Well, it's like not just the quick step week. boss. This is yes. my uh, my favorite <laughs> thing. And we haven't, uh, you know, Johan Bruniel crawled out from his spider hole to let us know um, how disappointed he was in the new version of Paris Tours. And he's like, it's road racing people for gravel and cobbles. There's Strada Bianca and Paris Roubaix. And Johan, you're welcome to your opinion. I absolutely love it. But like we said on Twitter, we welcome you to come in person here to the United States. Come see us, sit down next to me, yeah. and let's have a lovely chat about your feelings on Paris tours. I'm sure I wouldn't be the only person that would love to see you. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like... I'd love to see him. Yeah, I feel like the podcast green room, we've got a we've got a chair available for him at any time. And you know, if he has trouble, we'll even buy the plane ticket if you if he wants we'll to. We'll totally come. buy the plane That's ticket. That's a nice offer. Yeah. This would be I mean, this would be quite the exclusive if we could get Johan Bernil on yeah. our show mm-hmm. and it just happens to correspond with a knock on the door. Like, yeah. oh wow, who arranged this awesome like another, talk about the lead of the century? Special guest. What do you know? What do you know? It's the FBI. Oh. <laughs> hey, hey, Johan, imagine that. Oh, damn. And then with our luck, we wouldn't have turned on our cameras, yeah. right? Like, like we would have, like, We'd have to start recording we, really early. Yeah. Or we didn't press record yeah. during the whole thing anyway. That but, would be um, our style. Paris tours look great, mostly little guy, because um, one of our favorite riders uh, took the victory. Yeah. From Jelly. far out. Jelly Willace. Far out, basically. 30 seconds over Terpstra. Was it 52K or something like that he went? Yeah. That's so so far. The cobbles look good. It was fantastic. So Lombardia were great. But little guy, what was the real highlight of your Italian classics weekend? Ah, Week? Week. I don't know. So all of it was good. This was great. Every day, basically, you come home, you got a bike race. But Michael Woods attacking, 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 attacking. Boom, popping Valverde and Milan Torino was so good. Kind of gave him, kind of gave him a taste of his own medicine, eh? Oh, definitely. He just, oh my god, he attacks so hard. Um, ah, this whole week, man, I'm bursting with joy. It totally made me not pay attention to other stuff in the news. I hope nothing bad happened in American (laughs) politics in the last week. Um, but this was a little, a little safe space for me. It was great. And now it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was. So the other uh, classics race that was going on in Italy was obviously the um, Piemont with uh, Bernal taking the win. Yeah. But then Bernal also showed really well at Lombardia. Oh, yeah. He, is, did. Is, he did. Is Bernal like trying to sneak in there to go like raise his hand to the slow ride pod and say like, hey, guys, I'm actually a pretty cool racer. I'm not I just going to be a Grand Tour, you know, stallion. I'm going to be able to do it all think he did i mean yeah I'd, so, uh, how great is it that we have many multiple grand tour winners and contenders mm-hmm. fighting it out in classics as opposed to kind of the way uh, it was when we first started watching and maybe i was, I was just yeah, gonna bring that up would let lance show up once a year you know? oh, i was just was, gonna bring that up little guy uh and spencer is i don't recall like how many of these types of races uh spencer do you recall armstrong doing oh like during zero. that era um i think he you only did still? san sebastian every once in a while but I, I didn't see this race uh, happening, and I only watched the little recap on uh, on GCN on YouTube. And their voiceover, their commentary on that was like, made some mention of like, oh, it's so nice to see a Grand Tour rider <laughs> riding so well so late into the season. That's amazing. We haven't seen yeah. that in forever. And 
Well, like, especially yeah. a, t- a Tour de France. Uh, some like the last many years, anyone who wins the Tour basically shuts it down. You know? Oh yeah. That's that's what else do you need and to he do? He came back and put together. I mean, he had a bunch of good results this whole week, so it was just nice to see. I know we could look it up, but like, I don't recall even Ulrich doing things outside of this, right? Like, it kind of not very much. They all no. shut it down. I know he's eating. The, he's at the Ben and Jerry's race, but yeah, I the mean, buffet opened right after the tour, I think. But I just, I kind of have this. Uh, it's pretty cool to see. Absolutely stoked. And then like Roglic with his like good showing. I don't know Michael Woods. I mean, it's so awesome to see him win. It was the, great the, to see him. the American hope. Did you see? Did you guys? I have a special place in my heart this week for uh, David Gadu of FDJ, who he had at. at uh, at Grand Premio, Bruno, he got fourth, and he got fifth at Milan Torino, and 11th at Lombardy. Good results, but the attacking style, the bike, throwing it everywhere. He had the most spastic, amazing Frenchman attacks that I've ever seen. <laughs> it was so good. And Pierre Latour is the same way, and I really enjoyed that this week you had two kind of like not top pick Frenchmen mm-hmm. who were always there in the group, and I'm like, yeah, they're going to get popped. They're not going to win. But they would put down these attacks where they would throw the bike almost like horizontal in this like, oh, just laying it all out there. It was so great. It was so exciting so, to watch them attack. Right. Inefficient, but very showy. I love it. Yeah. So speaking oh of efficient. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. I like this segue. It I'd like to like take you on fun. Curveball Corner. It's a little known segue here. Were you guys watching the Ineos 159 challenge at all that happened yesterday morning, Saturday morning? We're recording this Sunday night. Oh, yeah. I did not watch Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So I know I'm going to butcher the name, and I apologize, but Iliad Kipchoge from Kenya, who ran the 159.40 marathon. Mm -hmm. Kind of crazy. So a couple of things that I wanted to segue this into the... Uh, cycling a couple of things one is Ineos all over the sponsorship so Ineos is now they, they're really getting into the petrochemical state right like they're kind of almost like the way uh, Bahrain is spending the money or or Emirates like just going all in like doubling yeah. down on like this is what we do if you are a petrochemical billionaire so the guy runs this 159.40 and instantly the haters are out saying like oh his shoes like had like springs built into them or something. Right. And then, Oh, he had these pacers that would drop out after like just two laps. Like, so he was getting like a, 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 the benefit of a draft. Anyways, I was absolutely stoked on it. What would be the equivalent in the world of cycling? Do you think on this? Hmm. Is it, is is this Um, like similar to like how the hour record was Graham Obrey with like the washing machine bike? Well, kind of, but I bet a lot of people, that don't understand cycling. If you sat down and explained it to them in one day and were like, yeah, they have teammates that help them and they draft and they right. go get them water bottles and they, the team brings them spare wheels. They'd be like, well, that's cheating. You know, they'd be like, <laughs> yeah, that true. doesn't make any sense. Like, why don't, why don't they just race for themselves? Like why? Yeah. I think just generally road cycling would con- confuse most people if you explain it they they would think why why are they doing that and then that one guy wins but his teammates had to do all that work they'd be like that's crazy and yeah it anyways i absolutely loved loved it i didn't know it was happening until i saw the results right but it was really cool to see the whole Mm -hmm. setup and Mm -hmm. you know this guy clearly like I, i believe he owns the world record 
for the marathon anyway in uh, Berlin, but it, it was really cool yeah. to see. It's kind of weird that little like adjacent cycling sponsorship of Ineos mm-hmm. and to see the whole team effort that this guy had built around him. It was kind of like we see with Chris Froome or Bernal of like just all in for one guy to dominate. And it was cool to see. But anyway, yeah. we can yeah, get I off mean, of uh, Segway yeah. Street here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, over the week, I was up in uh, Baltimore doing a, uh, a run through. Is it the um, city that reads? I said this last time we talked about Baltimore. Time. Is that right? But I never looked it up. You didn't notice it on park benches or something? No, People I didn't. With books in hand? Okay. No, everyone just had poems in hand from um, Edgar Allan, little known poet. <laughs> Anyways, um, as I was in Baltimore, they did announce the new pro race. Like, not world tour, but the level underneath that. So it's like the pro tour race, and they're expecting 10 UCI teams to come to Baltimore next spring. And I got to say, legitimately, within the city, granted, I was hanging out in bike shops and talking to other cyclists. There's a lot of people talking about this event. It was pretty cool. Also saw a little like news blurb about it um, when I was there. So, you know, right now, people, I did laugh a little bit because they're expecting supposedly the same amount of crowd that showed up at the UCI World Championships in Richmond. And I uh-huh. kind of think that may be a little bit of a stretch. Yeah. But it's still pretty cool to see a race coming up. But the major negative here is that there isn't a women's race. And yeah. it's so disappointing when you think about the effort and time they're putting into putting on a men's race. And you think that if you already have the road rolling enclosures, that there's a way. There's, um, pretty, there's definitely a way. To make this happen. And it would be yeah. really cool. Because judging by the women's racing calendar this year, there wasn't much going on in the U.S. And this would be a great opportunity to... Uh, showcase cycling all the way across the realm. Yeah, hundred, hundred percent. I don't know. Yeah. What, do you know why? Is it, you guys heard any reason why they're not doing a women's race other than they said it's the their number race. one priority yes. to add the race in year two. Mm. Um, but yeah, okay. I don't know why that's not a priority for year one or for the next event uh, that any promoter does at this point. It seems like a no-brainer. Uh, mm-hmm. To avoid a ton of just bad press and and negative vibes, you know whether whether you deserve it or not, it's gonna come. You know what I mean? So yeah, just do I mean, it true. and save yourself the trouble, uh, and make everybody happy and do a good job of it. Don't don't half-ass it. Um, I'm excited for it to happen, right? Like like on paper, you're like, oh, this is great. I don't know. I mean, I'm not gonna go up there to go see it because half the fun of going to Richmond for the one day World Championships was. Yeah several different types of racing and the women's race was absolutely dynamite. Oh and, my God. So good. Yeah. You know, I think that, uh, we'd be, uh, remiss to, uh, to mention that this race is going on without the, uh, the women's aspect. No, and true. that also segues into, I don't know if you noticed Abby Mickey's kind of tweets. I, I haven't gotten firsthand knowledge from Abby, mm-hmm. but via Twitter, it looks like Abby may be, uh, retiring. So very kind of elusive. So Abby, It'd be great to know what's going on, what the next uh, step is. I know that, uh, uh, you know, it'd be really cool to still hear you on the podcast airwaves and talking about uh, women's racing and getting all the uh, coverage it deserves. Yeah, we'll we'll hit her up on WhatsApp on the uh, on the secret group and see what's going on. Um, Tim, tossing it back to women's racing real quick. Just just a little nugget. Next year, Hammer Series, women's yes. racing. Women's racing is added to the yeah. yeah, absolutely awesome. 
This should be just like Women's Avenue here. Just three dudes talking about women's <laughs> racing. But how awesome is it that Hammer Series is going to have a women's category? Uh, I've Can been I, waiting for this. I'm going to call it right now. I guarantee the women's racing at Hammer Series is going to be way more exciting than the men's. Oh. The men's and, racing is And I'm just going to get on stereotype. At, I'm going to get on stereotype lane here. Okay. And that's because I bet when it's the whole points race competition, the women are actually going to play it the correct way and like be like, well, no, we need to go capture all these points it makes sense whereas the men are like it's so confusing i don't understand what's going on i i need a race radio to tell me when to attack the women are going to be like carry the two kept the three i need to cap I mean, follow her yeah. and i'm Maybe absolutely like, going to love every single second of it be like oh finally a chance to use my phd in nuclear <laughs> yeah. physiology <laughs> yeah this is why i have yeah, my that's, phd that's <laughs> the bigger thing of it because <laughs> it will all be phds oh yeah. man i know but I'm absolutely that, stoked. That's yeah. I'm super looking forward to that. I I hope uh, more races can add uh, the women's fields and uh, yeah. We'll we'll get in touch with Abby and get her back on the show to see what's going on in that regard. So continuing with the women's racing theme, uh, yeah. Katusha, as we all a, know, on October fourth announced that they're going to be you know merging with Israeli psych, Israel Cycling Academy, mm-hmm. and then they made the announcement that they're going to have a women's world tour team. Very exciting. And they're gonna they're gonna merge with an existing team. Uh it's like Clue. It's like Clue, and yeah. I know who's I got know, the candlestick, guys. Tim. <laughs> you know, I I am excited for this announcement that I can't say anything, and that's why people listen to this podcast. Rumors yeah. straight from the source, but love it. we are so mm-hmm. top secret here that uh, we have to respect everything. Okay, so we're saying it was Colonel Mustard with the candlestick, the- but you're not gonna say where. Well, I was going to say it's in the lobby and it's the candlestick with, and then say the team, but I can't. That's what, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You're, you're going to say, you know, the cards that are in that envelope in the center of the board. Oh, I told, I peaked. Yeah. I, I, I totally know. I see. Okay. And we're supposed to believe you. Yeah. Well, I don't. And all you, of our listeners to are write supposed it on a piece to just of paper trust. I'm going to write it on a piece of paper. Spencer. I'm going to mail it to uh-huh. myself and take okay. a picture next to the newspaper printed today. Perfect. <laughs> okay. Okay. So Let's I can prove that. to everybody that I knew what it was. Get that okay. up on our Instagram ASAP. Because mm-hmm. the one thing people come to this podcast for is to listen to people say, I know, but I can't tell you. Oh, There's it's nothing better in podcasting trope. than somebody telling you they've got a really good <laughs> secret. And you don't get to know. It's so sad. But it's it's very exciting. Um, I mean, I guess so, people did listen to Serial, and that was basically not knowing for like five, guy, six weeks. I'm going to put a fiver on the fact that I don't think Tim actually knows. <laughs> hmm. Would you put a fiver on that? I'd put a fiver on that. So you think uh, he does know? I totally no, I know. Think, I think he doesn't know. I'm with you. Okay. A lot of fivers <laughs> out here. So yep. I... A lot of yeah. secrets we can't tell. I look forward to well, Tim I, having to go buy a newspaper so he can take this picture. <laughs> I know. I was thinking, like, where can I go get the Orlando Sentinel and does it even print five days a week anymore? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, go down to the corner store. They probably got one from a few days ago, too, so you can uh, you can really oh, yeah. sell it. <laughs> <That's true. Yeah. laughs> Pick up a well, New guys, York Times from last week. <laughs> yeah. the, the, there's so much to discuss. Hey, um, what was the other uh, thing? Oh. <laughs> segway, segway. Wait. Hmm. Seg- segway back to... This awesome week of Italian racing. Okay, segue back. I like it. All right. Valverde wearing yeah. his Spanish national team jersey. 
oh, and getting God. many top 10 results, but no wins. Many top 10s. It's a little awkward. I um, little, also I really know good. the gentleman that designed uh, Valverde's national championship jersey. Right. Oh, really? Was it Valverde? And Did he do it himself? Do you know <laughs> no. But I asked. Hard. I said, I don't, I don't where, are the, mean, but... <laughs> where are the world championship stripes? Oh, good point. And I don't. And oh, from yeah. what was relayed to me is that um, the Movistar sponsorship, like Telefonica, like they're very keen on the color. And that's why they don't want to have any variants. Like they, they are so important to that Spanish market that having the Spanish flag mixed in with the, the blue corporate color of the mm-hmm. Movistar sponsorship is, is what's key. That's more important to them than the world championship stripes. But that then led to my other question. So like, I don't know, and I haven't heard yet, is he allowed to have the world championship stripes immediately after he went won them? Or is there like a yep. calendar break? Like, does he have like three months that he can't wear them until January 1st? And then he can do like, do we know if did Sagan have them? I'm on sure his... Sagan had them. Yeah, immediately. He, he had them on Monday for sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think there's any rule about that. I think I'm just curious. Just get so, the bands afterwards. But I did notice that Valverde doesn't have the world championship stripes. It's kind of weird. I That's I was I assuming that. that his national championship jersey was going to be that blue because they've done that before with all right. the other national championships that Movistar's had when he's won the Spanish before and then when they had um, Nelson Oliveira with the uh, the Portuguese time trial uh, national championship they had like kind of the flag interspersed with the blue so right. not that surprising but just not having the world champ stripes is I a mean, little awkward here, here's the thing if you're Valverde are you just like whatever pay me or are you like Man, that sucks. I want to. I want to like celebrate this thing, this achievement. I think. I think it'd be really cool if he just had one whole sleeve of his jersey with like a band for each time he's won either the national or world championship. So it kind of looks like a tree. So he's got like rings kind of okay. coming up to show his age. And I like he'd have to wear long sleeve jersey all the time because there'd just be so many national championships up the. Have you the seen arm. a tree before, Tim? Yeah, I have. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't... Uh, okay. Tim's not in the design department. He's just throwing out ideas. And yeah. the designer I'm the adi- will I'm take just- it and translate <laughs> Tim's knowledge of trees and, and stuff into a coherent design. True. Okay. I, right. I'm the idea man on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. He's the I idea see. man. So. You always get the idea man that spits out some complete nonsense and the designer goes, <laughs> okay, yeah, I'll integrate all those weird things you just said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Elephants, Perfect. crocodiles, and uh, beer kegs. Got it. It's I'll, basically I'll every uh, charity century bike ride jersey of all time. Yeah, <laughs> right. Sure. <laughs> like, and then they just take one one of the things you said and they make it happen in a coherent way. And right now, you probably forget what you said anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so Tim, if I was Valverde, and <laughs> and the team said, "Oh, the sponsor won't let you put the bands, you know, around the cuffs and the collar and stuff." Uh, because of brand identity, brand standards, their yeah, brand book yeah. won't allow it. Uh-huh. Um, I think I would have to rebel in any way that I could. I think I would have world championship striped socks. I would have the gloves on. I would have like, I, even I if it was cold, you. I'd have the little neckerchief, uh, gator thing on, yeah. um, I, you know, the helmet paint job, anything I could. I guess that I I'm shocked that Movistar like they're doing they're they're definitely taking the high road here. Rest in peace, one of my favorite cycling teams of all time. Um, but they're definitely they're definitely taking the high road here versus what the way Sagan looked in his 
jersey because like he went full white yeah the national flag and then the corresponding equally wide world championship stripes so like from the tv and the helicopter you're like wow i didn't know Sagan was the world champion in a different discipline on the road and then you'd have valverde wearing the classic stripes yep movistar just was like you know what we're just gonna own the fact that he is the spanish national champion which is amazing because i every time i see that kid i try to forget that he is the spanish national champion it is so weird seeing him in that kit and not the uh the world championship strip but yeah anyway there's this is very exciting i i would spencer if, if i was in the predicament of valverde i would go get my tattoos and i would get several tattoos of those stripes everywhere that like skin was showing like the full right. neck tattoo like just everything <laughs> okay Ugh, that yeah. is a bold statement. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. Good thing you're not a better bike rider, Tim. Yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> that's a very good thing. I'd, I'd look a little David Klinger-esque. <laughs> <laughs> yes. A blast from the past. Hey, new people into cycling. Yeah. If you listen <laughs> to the podcast, to let's, say, let's say you're new since 2000, I don't know, what, nine? Yeah. 2008? Yeah, yeah at least. A member of the Slow Ride podcast, like, personality hall of fame like like one of the that's fair yeah like he's not on our mount rushmore we're not inducting him into the hall of fame but he's definitely in a wing of the hall of fame <laughs> he's with other personalities <laughs> that are there yeah, yeah he's hanging out with rico in a room in the basement yeah yeah him and rico well i don't know if they're hanging out in the basement they're they're hanging out they're playing ping pong on the side you know you can go by and you know what i tell you what five dollars probably get you his autograph too david oh, Klinger, yeah. um former u.s postal rider i think prime alliance just take uh, a look take a gander i'm not no. pro cycling it for sure i he was one of my favorites i have a great picture with david Klinger. maybe i'll throw it up on the old instagram huge fan of david Klinger. david if you're listening to the podcast we'd love to have you on it'd be fantastic yeah totally 100%. one of the greatest personalities in cycling just Google it. Just image, Google image search. <laughs> definitely Google image search. Yeah, yeah. definitely yeah. use the image section. So anyway, guys, I think we have to get into the pre-lock. But before we get into the pre-lock, we have a lot to discuss in there. Lots of hidden gems. Mm-hmm. But we have some wonderful listener emails. We have some other follow-ups on a topic. We also got a last-minute text about Zwift racing that oh. needs to... <laughs> we need to get into oh, it's Spencer shaking his head in disappointment. It is going to be an all timer segment at the end, but guys, let's get into the pre This is Abby Mickey from rally UHC professional cycling team. And you're listening to the slow ride podcast. All right, here we are. And Spencer, this is one of my favorite times of year. Little guy, you are along for the ride as well. We are absolutely stoked that you um, are back on the pod. And that is because we are proud members of the Wide Angle Podium Network. And it is that that time once a year. Only once a year. We don't mention this all the time. It is that time once a year for our member drive. And once again, Wide Angle Podium is a member-supported network. And we're a one-stop shop for your favorite cycling entertainment and news. And we'd love to have you join up with us. And you can do that by heading over to the wideanglepodium.com and becoming a member. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we, we've we worked uh, pretty hard all year to put together this show and everyone else on the networks 
works uh, very hard to put together their shows. And collectively, we all work really hard on the network to make this a viable thing, um, something that sustains itself and can, you know, keep the engine going, keep the keep the locomotive steaming forward, creating uh, the best cycling content that we can, uh, whether it's um, Bill's uh, CX heat check videos, whether it's the Bike Shop CX guys, whether it's putting together uh, the the compound, the hobo camp that we had at uh, the Trek Cup, um, all of that is, you know, born from this desire to make amazing content for you guys. And uh, it's a lot of work. And so once a year, like Tim said, we come around and we have to ask for assistance uh, to make this happen. Um, and so if you guys can support uh, that would be great. You can come in at any level that you're comfortable with, $5, $10, $15, whatever. You can also uh, do a one-time. You yeah. can do a one-time. You can pay a monthly. You can pay that monthly all like annually, like all up front. Um, however, whatever works for you. Um, and it really goes a long way to supporting what we do here uh, on the slow ride and in the network in general. Um, it is a, uh, you know, it is a lot to do. Um, right now we don't make any money. We almost don't lose any money. Almost. Um, <laughs> so, I, but the, the more support we can get from members, the less we have to rely on, uh, on, on, on advertising and things like this. So we want to keep bringing you content. We want to fill up our, our 50 to 60 minutes a week with pure unadulterated um, unsubstantiated rumors yeah. and solid uh, just weirdness. kind of solid gold. Yeah. yeah. So that's what we want to do. And we need your help to do that. And that leads us right into our first sponsor for the episode, which is works hydro shot. Um, now this is a product that I know everybody on this network has been super jazzed about because it is so easy to do these ads. Uh, because it's awesome. The Works HydroShot Power Cleaner, it, uh, it is a uh, portable, completely portable, ba- battery-operated um, cleaner uh, to hose off your bike, hose off your muddy kit, hose off your shoes, your whatever it is uh, from the race. And it just, it just, it's one of those products that just does exactly what you want it to do. Um, you don't have to lug around a giant uh, industrial power washer. You don't have to pour, uh, oil gas mix into it and pull a rip cord and, you know, try to talk over 50 decibels of, of, of generator noise. It's just a nice little battery pack. It's quiet. It's easy. Uh, it pulls water, uh, straight from a, a any water source, um, you know, five gallon bucket. Uh, you can get the bottle cap attachment and just use a two liter bottle uh, you can use, you know, you drop it in a lake or, or a pond or attach it to your hose, your garden hose at home. Um, it is extremely versatile. It's extremely useful. Um, we know, uh, we borrowed it out, loaned it out at Trek, which was a super muddy, uh, uh, event, uh, to Katie and Mark, um, from Katie Compton and Mark Legg, uh, to use. And they were super jazzed on it. Mark did a review of it recently on his, uh, on his, uh, YouTube, I guess, or something. He posted a video of him washing bikes and, um, 
that that's just how jazz people are like he's not sponsored by them but he likes it that much and uh you know if 15 time national champion uh, if it's good enough for them it's going to be good enough for you and uh you because you're a listener of Wide Angle Podium, can get a discount on the Works Hydro Shot and all the accessories and extra batteries and anything else you want to get uh, by heading over to yourcleanbike.com and using the code CLEANBIKE when you check out. That's going to get you 15% off, and uh, that's a pretty great deal. So uh, show some love to the folks from Works uh, and pick yourself up a Hydro Shot. And... Um, you know, let them know. If you get one, tag us on the social media. We've been getting a ton of uh, tweets and Instagrams about it, and it's it's great to see, and it is stuff that we can show to them and just keep this thing going forward. So really appreciate it. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll see you out there with your Hydro Shot. And I want to, uh, real quick, just go over a couple of the things. So you head over to WideAnglePodium.com. You, slick, you uh, select a member or donate at the top. Yep. We have some great freebies that are only available during the drive for donors. So that includes shirts, buttons, stickers, and the coveted arrow race pins. Mm-hmm. So you become a member, you will get 50 happy, 50 happiness Watts guaranteed. That's what our research says. Also in the past, we have used our member support and some of the, 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 the support you guys given us to help, you know, Katie Compton, right? We were a proud yeah. sponsor of Katie Compton during the year that she made it all the way to the second place at the world championships. It was absolutely thrilling to be a part of that. So we are here to uh, continue that love and to spread the love that you give to us. So very simple. If you would see us and you saw us out in Madison, um, you know, hung out with us and the gravel lot guys and everybody else. um, And also consummate athlete, all the, the wide angle podium network. And if you wanted to ever buy us a beer and you don't see us, this would be a way that you could buy us a beer. Even if it's a one time, it does give us support because (laughs) It does cost a lot of money to keep the network going and then also the support. Um, right. It's also allowed us to bring on the Mitch Docker uh, inside yes. the Peloton. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my God. That Podcast. show has been crushing it lately. Yeah. And that you've seen, if you've listened to that show and, you know, for that matter, this show for any amount of time, the quality has just gotten better over time. And that is directly due to support that that we get and support that we're able to give uh mitch and all the other shows in this network so that is that is directly related to to our supporters and there are you know there are a a solid handful of you guys that are that are making this thing work and we just need a few more to make it actually work so um if you can head on over to wideanglepodium.com Click on the donate button and become a supporter. You'll get what four, almost four years worth of bonus content now <laughs> from all the shows. Uh, yeah. You'll get Dang. maybe some freebies if you're at that level. It's, you know, we're not going to leave you empty handed. Tell you what, you become a member. We'll even allow you to go all the way back to episode one of the squeaky wheel podcast. Over four and a half years ago, we recorded that. Guys, I don't know if you remember our original name and how horrible our microphones sounded. Oh my but God. thanks to the listeners and supporters, we have decent mics now and decent support. Yeah. Once again, thanks everybody that is a current member and supporter. We will continue. You know, we're only going to have to do this one more time uh, next week's show, but we are here to uh, remind people and we appreciate your support. And uh, with that, I think it's time to get back to the show.
This is Mitch Docker, and you're listening to Life in the Peloton, also the Slow Ride Podcast, afterwards. <laughs> All right, guys, we got a couple of emails here, and piggybacking on our member drive. There's something I definitely want to hit up. And that is a great email we got from Joe Fabris. Hey, Slow Riders, just ordered my works power washer and some Miracle Wap cream for the nether regions. Keep on pedaling. That's a pun. Make an account, a guy named Joe. Joe, thank you for the support. Very good, Joe. And uh, continuing on, thanks also for hitting us up on the email. Um, Joe from area code 408, so that's out in San Francisco. I checked. I was just like, oh, where's Eric code 408? I think it's San Jose. Maybe well, he's a Sharks fan. I don't know. This works out really well because, you know, you can use the uh, Miracle Wap for your long ride and then just blast it off with the Hydro Shot afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, Spencer, we're not legally supposed to recommend doing that. That could be problematic. Well, it's at 320 PSI. You're going to be fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, it's... I don't want to sell it short. It cleaned my bike pretty well. I don't think I'm going to spray it on myself. I got different, uh, different I remember, settings on the on the nozzle there, so you can you can find the one that works for you a little bit. That's true. Do you guys remember a lot of after uh, Jingle Cross one year we went to the uh, um, car wash, yeah. like the do-it-yourself car wash? Yeah, and we had the power yeah. washers. We had like a hundred dollars um, in quarters. Yeah, that <laughs> those things were really powerful, and then extremely powerful. Yeah. <laughs> You, you don't really want to. Some would say, <laughs> I don't. A, a little too powerful. You probably don't want to put that directly on your bike. Yeah, but, uh, we did. Those were those were good times. Um, another uh, email here from a friend of the podcast, uh, Brandon. Hey, fellas, I too was once enamored by the magic that is a Brompton. Years ago, on a work trip to New Orleans, I found a Brompton-only bike shop just outside my hotel that had rentals. Better believe I skipped all my scheduled lectures and cruised the city for a day on my little cruiser. I share a super rookie's feelings regarding the frustration surrounding how easy I see other people fold the bike versus my ability to do so. <laughs> the best part was actually seeing my six, six and a half foot frame riding the micro bike at a store window. I cracked myself up. Here's a picture. And yeah, it's, it's full on the 20 inch wheels with a guy that's six and a half feet tall is, is kind of hilarious. So uh, I appreciate yeah. sending the picture. And Brandon continues, more recently I was in London after going to Yorkshire to watch the world champs. It was awesome. And it seemed like humble, I couldn't go break. one minute without seeing a Brompton. The flame was reignited and my Brompton bro Lance was rekindled. These bikes seem like little travel sized joy machines. Sorry to have missed you guys in Waterloo. Now here's the key guys. Brandon left his signature on his email. He is an emergency okay. room physician. Okay. So Brandon, I don't know much about how emergency room doc I know a lot about emergency room doctors. They saved my life, so they deserve all the money in the world for saving my life. <laughs> Brandon, have you looked at like a titanium Brompton? I don't know if they exist yet, but you're a doctor. You're like prime demographic for being the first person to have maybe a titanium Brompton. Mm -hmm. What do you guys think? I mean, yeah, I thought he should do it. It's not my money, so go for it. Yes, I want <laughs> pictures. We have a Brompton Brazer on on uh, <laughs> on retainer. Yeah. Maybe he can let us know. Like, is it is it steel only? Is it aluminum? I'd I'd well, love to know. Like, what's the variance? Is it that new scadium? Uh, what's the new uh, 
magnesium alloy thing that's that's popping up around. Oh, I don't know. Is there a new magnesium? Uh, Can you go near water? Like, is it like the old <laughs> Kirk Precision frames? You couldn't bring them near the ocean because they'd explode? Anyways, I was absolutely thrilled. So, Brandon, thank you uh, so much for the email and uh, the brilliant photo. We're uh, yeah. stoked to have you uh, yeah. jumping on board. And also, this then leads into an email that we got. Longtime listener, five stars for sure. The gift of yeah. bantering in the shadow of cycling nerdiness is truly exceptional. I was pedaling along recently on a day after my best cross result to date, when lo and behold, out from underbrush comes a cat while on a gravel wreck trail to embrace what everyone is talking about. Well, needless to say, for anyone who has landed on their shoulder nose, your cycling fortunes can change quickly. That is absolutely true. Yes. And uh, I just want to give a quick shout out. As you guys know, I lost my cat this week. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. Very sad, but it's, you know, we move on because I named the cat DeLuca after my one of my favorite cyclists, also in the crazy wing of our Hall of Fame, Danilo DeLuca. <laughs> He's yeah. hanging out with, with uh, David Klinger and Ricardo Rico. Many others, the killer. He just had the, the look in the eyes. So we will, uh, you know, it, it moved on, but it was definitely uh, sad to see. So yes. I'm sorry oh. to see that a cat took you out. But despite being a longtime listener, I have one dub question. Can you elaborate on the genesis and the rise to infam- infamy of the coveted 16th place? I will be trolling the internet, searching for Sweek, warming up in the Gophers jersey. Keep up the good work. I need to get through the next six weeks. Cheers. Forever Cat 4 Master Super Average Elite. So good luck getting through yeah. the next six weeks of broken collarbone-dom. I know it's not fun. Good thing there's Zwift for you. But yeah, little guy, why don't you take this away? What is the deal with the 16th place that you've captivated the nation with? Did I captivate the nation? I'm trying to remember exactly how we, we came to this. I, I feel like uh, we were trying to find a spot that was good, but not great, bad, mm-hmm. but not really bad. It was on that cusp of uh, a result that you'd probably put on your resume, but yeah. not quite. It'd be like you know? what you would send your sponsor, like, oh, I got 16th place in the Durand Road Race because I was on the front for the first yeah. five laps, and I got dropped when I tried that last so, minute attack. Well, yeah, you kind of do. I've, it's not really like, if you're a pro, I bet you're not probably putting a bunch of 16s down until we started making it that way. You'd maybe See, put the top 10s, but now it's like... But, you know, it's also a result that you're like, man, that was a hard result. That's no joke. Yeah. I, th- I, I thought that was the uh, X, Y axis of where we thought the last, pr- the lowest person on the results who was still trying to get a good result yeah. was. Well, like well, this, is the, this is the person that isn't working for someone else, right? Like this is the person yeah. that, like a team leader is still going to get like 16th place maybe on that day. Well, it, I think it was when we were talking about finishing being the last non-lapped rider in a cross race you know and how that can be a crap result but it's also an achievement especially when uh like today i was racing i think nick carter is the fifth ranked u23 in the world or something um and he put so much time into us on the first lap i was very frightened i was gonna get lapped on the second lap (laughs) so um you know that that sort of thing where you're like you're giving it your all and maybe if you comb the results too hard it's not the most impressive but like it is at the same time i don't know how it's i also recall that maybe we started it out i mean this podcast has been around four and a half years i would say that there's also the chance that it was like milan san remo and you know you could be going down the or attacking on the poggio 
and then right. descending on the Poggio and you would have 30 seconds and people are like, ooh, will, will they win? Is this the time that the attack wins? Mm-hmm. And then you could still get 16th place. And you'd be yeah. like, that's eh, still a good result. Like, you still showed yourself, you know? Oh, yeah. totally. It was, yeah. it was a nice, happy balance between who is going to be, like, if you got 16th place in a race this year, then you were a good shoe-in for a top five next year if you're like on that upward trajectory oh, like it was probably yeah. the rider you hadn't heard of and the first best example was edward thunes and then he was our dylan he was our first also later right yeah yep. there were yeah, many there tunes. were many this is this has proven itself to be correct over the years but the very first race that we paid attention to 16th place edward thunes and everybody is like i never heard of this guy he, who is this and the yep. next year boom he stepped it up and so that is kind of the genesis. Well, our of 16th boys, place our boys, Sweek, who we gave the jersey to, as mentioned in the letter at the Trek World Cup, I believe he got eighth at the Super Prestige this weekend. So mm-hmm. already, I think the jersey uh, and the 16th place are giving him a little something extra. You know, yeah. moving up, doubling his result. Well, we also got two emails that have to do with the World Championships. The first one comes from longtime friend of the podcast, Michael Stone. Hey, guys, just caught up on episode 267. And remember, Michael was there on the course, like sending us pictures of the, the horrible torrential rain conditions. Yeah. And he's like, because of reasons and what a, uh, you know, that's why I wasn't able to listen. The first half, your analysis of worlds was spot on, particularly the thing you all took away from the week, the awful weather, so on brand for the UK. <laughs> the men's elite race was indeed brutal, but you forgot to mention that they didn't even do the hard bit. Apart from yeah, the medalists, true. the real winners of the week were the good folks of Grinton Moore, who now have a brand new bridge that they would normally have had to wait months for Highways England to get around to building, but then they built for Worlds, and then they didn't even go over the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't remember that. But yeah, oh, that. that's that's brilliant. Oh my god! Well, it's just then, like in the tour how you see all these mountain passes that go nowhere, and there's a fresh co- fresh tarmac, and you're like, "Yep, that was never going to happen unless the tour was coming to that town." You know. Mm-hmm. Oh. After I moved here, it was on my third group ride that I was advised to take great care of big puddles and to never ride through the Ford. Aside from hitting potholes, one never knows whether that is the result of rain or diuretic cows. Well, that's definitely on brand. As for Ecofgate, I'm broadly in agreement with you all. I was watching the event on an internet stream, and the commentator noted the excessive amount of time being spent so close to the rear of the team car. This is what my argument was. The UCI certainly handled it atrociously. 100% agreement. And then he concludes, I hope the super rookie wasn't being too sarcastic about holidaying in Yorkshire. If he does come, we'll make sure to <laughs> avoid the rain clouds. <laughs> Love it. So, Love yeah. It. So and that wasn't the only time that we had to talk about Ecofgate on our email. We, we got a really good email um, okay. in depth. And this one comes to us from Nick. I enjoy your podcast and listen regularly. Enjoying your irrelevant and quirky take on cycling. However, I found your interpretation of the U23 World Championships very surprising. Your point was that rules are rules. Ecoff broke the rules and got the punishment. You neglect to comment on the following points, which I think are salient. This is, Nick, I don't know if you're a lawyer, but you're definitely pretty good here. So that's why we're reading it. Drafting Uh to get back to the Peloton happens in every World Tour race. Imagine how many Tour de France finishers there would be if riders weren't pace-backed on after a crash or a mechanical. The field would be decimated. 
Mm-hmm. And that's when Carlos Betancourt would win. But understood. Point taken. His draft back to the group came after a serious crash where he reportedly dislocated a shoulder. He has gained no advantage of the other races from being paced back on. As you recognize, it's not easy being motor paced at 50 kilometers per hour. That is true. I, every now and then when the big treks come by on the road rides and you're like, oh, I'm going to jump into that draft and you kind of do it for a while. But once it gets up to like, you know, 30 miles an hour or so, you're like, this is really hard and fast. It's, it, mm-hmm. I, I understand. It's not easy to be paced back on. Yeah. Would the spectators, you and me, want to follow cycling if big name stars were left standing by the side of the road after a crash or mechanical? Probably not. We want to I see would. Sagan fight it out with Vanderpool. I disagree a little bit here. This is yeah, the yeah. main I have, point. I have a point to pick about that, too. Yes, I love seeing the nobodies, the, the people that we don't know about <laughs> well, taking the victories. I, I have a longer point, but keep finish the, finish the letter and then we'll talk about that. The overriding feeling of the emphatic spectator is that a young rider who raced brilliantly, overcoming a crash, getting back, then dragging a group of riders to the finish before winning the sprint, has been harshly punished by a very inconsistent deployment of rules by the UCI. You normally see the lighter side of the story. I was surprised with your lack of empathy towards this young man who will be utterly devastated by a blundering and foolish and heavy-handed UCI. Any comments would be welcome. Well, on the last point, I just want to throw out welcome to the UCI, buddy, for Ecoff, right? Like, I feel bad. Like, he is up for a long career. He probably would have been disappointed in many other ways. You, Nick is absolutely right that this is going to be devastating for him, and I think we're in 100% agreement that the way they handled it was atrocious to do yes. it after he won. Like, let him keep the victory. If you're going to pull him, you had over two and a half hours to do that. Yes. But look, uh, what, I, or in Spencer, what do you guys think of Nick's email? This is very good points, I think. Oh, no, it's great. And I mean, my main takeaway is I, I hope, uh, I, I'm going to have to listen back because I hope we didn't come off too much. Like we, uh, hundred percent, at least me, hundred like percent agreed with uh with how things went down because uh yeah that no, was not the point i was trying to get across maybe it uh maybe it didn't work do you say and i just steamrolled the conversation my way yeah, that's, i mean maybe maybe yeah. i be yeah, i think i think i i yeah i was pretty on the fence i still feel kind of on the fence about about what happened and and i totally agree like you're saying tim that the way they handled it even if it we're going to say it's the right call um is the wrong way to handle it. He should 100%. still be in stripes today. Absolutely. Yeah, 100% yeah. They, shouldn't, they shouldn't have made the call when they made the call. Like yeah. they, they missed the opportunity. You can't go back and like Dude. review review the play. What do you think, later. though, little guy, of this point about would we still want to watch racing if the favorites were on the side of the road? I, see, I have... So I think... I feel like I talked about this once a really long time. We talked about this, how like road racing should just take a little bit more from like gravel and randoneering and maybe make it so there aren't as many team cars or isn't much as, as much assistance. And then guys have to like change their own freaking flats. Like I think racing would be more exciting if it wasn't uh, what we end up with the tour where like the yellow Jersey has a problem and everybody sits around and waits. Like part of the racing is the technical aspect is the fact that they have bike sponsors and tire sponsors. Like as we saw at Perry tours today, like flat tires played a, played a huge role in that race. Um, and like, like if you want to be a tire sponsor, like you should make some tires that don't go flat all the time. Like that's more impressive. I feel like to the average cyclist than, okay. than you're like, Oh cool. Uh, team Ineos is on the fastest tires, but then they show up at Perry tours and maybe they get a hundred flats. Like, would you buy that tire? 
Like so, yeah. like you'd buy the tire that the guy that like maybe weighed fifty more grams, but he rode all the Perry tours and didn't get a flat. You know, it's like I would be more impressed with a race that ha- left more chances for um, disasters and and or like um, yeah. I'm to explain this. Like just like so, more of what's a realistic aspect of either just going on a ride or being in a race as an amateur. You know what I mean? Like. And the so what's the perfect amount, Spencer? What in taking little guys to the next level, right? Yeah, what do you think is yeah. the per- perfect amount of assistance? Like, let's interpret what little guys saying. If if we were in little guys' shoes now, is there any well, team cars? Is there a neutral support? Or is I it don't just know. throw a See, tube now, out the window like a Cat Four Five race? Yeah, <laughs> I under I understand what little guys saying, and I get it. I understand the spirit of it, but I also like I want to see like I want to see a fair. Uh, a fair outcome. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't want to see because somebody just happens to get a flat like that. That sucks. Like, especially at a race like worlds or something like if there's a crash up with 130 K to go, I don't really think it's a big deal to get back to the Peloton. If you do the rest of those hundred, you still rode the whole thing, you know, like okay. yeah, it's not like, like people sitting in the Peloton. Of- it's not like people sitting in the Peloton aren't getting a draft that you're now somehow unfairly getting from a car, right? Like, I don't even think that rule necessarily makes oh, sense. I totally disagree with that. But, but I don't want to see, uh, you know, like, um, Stebar famously taken out by a photographer in Peru Bay when he's probably going to win. Yeah. That, you know, but that you hate to see. Well, um, I don't want to see at that the same either, time, but... at the same time, that incident makes that race even more exciting. Um, if Stebar gets a flat hundred K from the end and nobody helps him, that just kind of takes a favorite out of the race and that sucks. So, yeah, but that sucks. But like that happens in the tour every year, basically. Right. Like we have a bunch of favorites go out because of crashes. And in a way I think it makes the race better. Like if all the favorites showed up at the end, they'd all just stare at each other. The fact that some of them leave and then some people get elevated to positions where they didn't think they'd be. And they take that shot, I think is what yeah. is what is exciting. Yeah. So little guy, do you, it's like taking your argument a little bit further. Like, let's say like, you know, Hey, fix your own flats or whatever. Mm-hmm. Is there any type of like in your perfect world of the tour it, or yeah. in classics, I mm-hmm. think just the inequality of teams is what bothers me the most. Right. So like you have teams that have, crazy amount of support and then you have some teams that you know just can't afford it so you look at so like this would be the ultimate argument i would say is that you couple this all in together with the the salary cap rule right like yeah like there is some basic supports that are allowed and then if those aren't it the team car each team only gets two i mean it's like some of these teams they have so many team cars they got the car to take the bike that had the motor off the course and no one knows that it's happening because <laughs> yeah, they're out of care of that car that that car like, should be so, illegal like there's it's so crazy um I, but i i, I, I love getting this email that? from nick because i do like getting challenged by our listeners um you know and then we also got another one uh today like right before we recorded uh graham partain long time listener of the podcast just just <laughs> this is where do i start Listening to you guys talk about Zwift is like listening to my dad trying to explain cycling. Uh, that's fair. And I was like, oh, really? What did we get wrong? And he says, you know, it's pretty ridiculous, this whole like fake bike thing, like the Tron bike and all. And he's going and he's so uh, passionate about it. But it's all about the bot. Yeah, the bot's stupid. 
Oh, yeah, I totally agree. But it's still like if you're going to do a national championship, shouldn't everybody be on the same equipment if it's in a fake world? Yeah, I think so. Like he is the national champion. Like he was on the same bike as everybody else in the competition. I totally agree. But he's also he's also going to he's also up for burglary. He he burgled the Trombot off the Internet. They do two to five in uh, Barstool or wherever the hell they send the juvenile yeah. delinquents in the UK. Well, thanks again for the emails. If you want to email, yeah. partake in the discussion, reach us at the slow ride podcast at gmail.com. And we'd love to uh, listen. Or you can also tweet us at the slow ride pod or on Instagram at the slow ride pod. We, uh, it's always fun. And uh, we always have a, a, a ton of fun uh, reading all of these, even if they don't make it to the air. So, um, these There's ones are that. good because I think we fixed pro cycling by talking about this. Ooh, well, we sure fixed we it. Laid out, we laid out everything there needs to be done, yeah. you know, basically. So this then leads us into the final part where you want to get in touch with us is you can head over to the Slow Ride Podcast official fan experience zone on Facebook. And a friend of the podcast, Sean McCombs, has one for us. And this is a quick one, guys. He was out riding a solo ride this morning. And he wasn't too motivated to ride, and towards the end, he was just kind of poking along with three miles to go, and another rider passed him at a pretty good clip with not even a wave or a hello. Not going to lie, him passing me so easily snapped me out of my lethargic pace, and since I only had three miles to go, I decided to match his pace from a few hundred feet back, because I didn't want him to get out of sight on the twisty road. We both rode through a stop sign, but since he was ahead of me, I carried way more speed and closed the gap. I got as close to drafting without drafting, and he looked behind me and saw me, swung over the yellow, possibly going over it. So I said, sorry about that. You caught me lollygagging. I meant just to keep you in sight, but I got a little close. He did not say a word, picked up the pace, and swerved right back to the right side of the road. At this point, I just soft-pedaled in. And Sean wants to know, am I the ass in this situation? Uh, <laughs> what do you? I don't, I don't know if you're an ass. So it's funny. I've been look, guy, you're going position. down the greenway. You see a guy going slow. You pass him. You just you yeah. just go past. You don't even have the time to say hi, whatever, because you you're in the zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm doing an interval. Yeah. You're doing. You're definitely doing an interval. You get to the end. You get to Minnetonka Boulevard. Yeah. You look behind you. The guy is like ten yards behind you. That feels what do you a little do? weird. That's a little close. A That's little a close. little close. I probably just sort of look at. I probably did what this guy did. I just I wouldn't swing over the yellow line, but I just look at him and be like, okay, I guess if that's what you want to do. But I mean, I've also been that guy who's riding along, needs a little motivation, and you pick somebody who's who goes by you and is just going that little bit more that you can't motivate yourself to do on it's, your own. And you do that. You you stay back fifty yards or thirty yards or. It whatever. sounds like he was doing that, but he did the all the ultimate slow roll through the stop sign, which I think is the key here. Mm. is that he played it correctly, right? Like rolling through the stop sign, and then he gets really close. The swerving over the L line, I think, is my favorite part of the story. It's a little much. So, but- so is that an exaggerated, like, well, if you're back there, pull through kind of move? <laughs> like, was there, where his elbow's just, tw- just tweaking? Just, just like, twitching, pull through. Yeah. Uh, maybe. I just I remember always having that feeling on the greenway when people would be right behind me and I would look back and there they were and it's just like it just really annoyed the hell out of me. It always yeah, annoys like, me when we're on a group ride of like four or five people and then there's some new guy that jumps behind. 
but I, but I've certainly been the guy who tries to do that pace thing, and then suddenly you get too close, and you're like trying to slow down, but you don't want to just like slam on the brakes because you know there's another guy thirty thirty yards behind you doing the same thing, and it's oh, a chain course. reaction. Before you know it, that's how you get traffic jams on the greenway. <laughs> so my, I guess my question to Sean is, was this guy Bling Matthews? <laughs> If so, do whatever you want. Yeah. yeah. If he has a only God can judge me tattoo, like uh, uh, Peepo, then you totally get on his wheel and draft him all day. That would be awesome. What's Peepo been doing? Spencer, Peepo update. Pull up his Instagram. What's he been doing? I have no idea. No idea. I thought you followed him on Instagram. He's probably posting well, pictures of Ferraris every day and stuff. While Spencer is pulling up Peepo's Instagram to let you know what's happening, we'd like to thank once again all the listeners and supporters and members of the Wide Angle Podium Network. As Spencer was saying earlier, and little guy, head on over to wideanglepodium.com and click on Donate. At the various levels, you can get a variety of rewards that are only available during the member drive. Quite simply... If you ever want to buy us a beer, this would be a great time to do it with either a one-time donation or $5, $10, $15 a monthly donation where you can get a variety variety of freebies, including shirts, buttons, stickers, the Aero Race pins, and four years of bonus content. Because at the end of the day, the Wide Angle Podium is a member-supported network, and we love your support, and we do the member drive just once a year. Over the course of two weeks, two shows here on the Slow Ride Podcast, and we absolutely love anybody that wants to join us because the more donors we have, the less advertising filling your earbuds. Totally. And it, it means a lot. It was really nice to know yeah, any amount. Somebody gives a buck, it feels great just to know that you're willing to throw a little coin our way and that you appreciate this nonsense that we're giving you. Absolutely. And with that, I'd like to thank... BK1 of Rhymesters Entertainment for the intro and outro music. We'd also like to thank the um, those that have emailed us at the Slow Ride Podcast at gmail.com and our followers on Instagram and Twitter at the Slow Ride Pod. This is Tim in Orlando, Florida. This is Matt in Minneapolis. And this is Spencer in Boston reminding you to always wave at all your fellow cyclists that you see out on the road, even if you just rolled right up onto their back wheel by blowing a stop sign. The Slow Ride Podcast. Bikes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. TheSlowRidePodcast.com and on Twitter at TheSlowRidePod. I do see a photo without his shirt on, so things are still going well for Peepo.